So, we're not doing lists. Lists are lame. But instead, we're going to talk about the shows that meant the most to us throughout the year. Stick around, we're talking TV. Hey now, this is Always Be Watching. This is our weekly discussion about the TV shows that we've been watching. But while we do this weekly, only once a year can we talk about the shows that we watched throughout the year. An amalgam of all of our previous conversations just bundled into one. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm joined here by Chris Yates. Hi Dan, it's great to be here. Chris, it is great to be here because this is our end of year spectacular. What a year it's been. I don't even know how to begin with this year, nor do I know how to even talk about the grandeur of this episode. We've got our tuxedos. Yes. Okay, there's going to be the light show that follows the recording of the podcast. Excuse us while we uh, sip champagne. Yeah. Um, What else? That's about it. That's about it. People Uh, people don't really need to know exactly what's going on here, which is that both of us have a slurpee in our hands. (laughs) Is this uh, the last episode of 2019? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Oh, yeah, cool. Let's like the last episode of anything. Like TV has just come to a stop because they were waiting to hear what we talk about on this that's podcast. Right. Yeah. And so, so once this is like in your ear holes, like that's it. Nothing else. The power brokers of, of the streaming companies are listening to see what they need to commission for next year mm. and to see what we find uh, ab- abhorrent. Oh, yeah. no, we're not going to talk about stuff we didn't like, are we? No, I don't that's think so. Too much. So what I thought we'd do this year is that every podcast and like website do their, oh, this is the 10 best episodes of 2019 list, mm-hmm. or this is the 20 best episodes, or here's the 100 best episodes or TV shows of the year. And I've been really struggling this year because, and people who subscribe to the Always Be Watching newsletter have probably already seen my article come out about this. I've struggled with the idea of like narrowing down, here are the 10 best TV shows of the year. Because there's so many good TV shows around now that it seems like it's an injustice to say that, hey, this is the best show of the year, when there's probably like five or six shows that could probably be the best show of the year. And there's also probably like another 15 shows that could be the second best show of the year. Yes, absolutely. It seems crazy. And the more I started thinking about how you construct a list now, the less sense it started making. So think back, and you're a music guy, Chris, so you've probably got some perspective on this. If you think back to... Well, if you think about, like, at the moment, if you see a top, like, 20 albums of 2019... Yeah. I think that's easy to quantify because... I mean, it's probably just much of a challenge because there's a lot of good music around. But you can probably look at something and you're using that list as a guide to say, hey, look, here's 20 albums you may not necessarily have checked out. You know, go and check this out. Like, there's yeah. Some, there's a direct thing you can do as the person reading that list to follow up on... You know, there's an action you can take. Sure. That used to be the case with TV shows as well. So back in the olden days, we'll say the olden days of the 1990s. So back in the yes, olden days... It definitely is. When it was broadcast TV still, like, these lists would get published and the list would come out and the person who wrote the list would be sort of going, yes, I'm going to sit back now and stroke my chin because haven't I just exhibited all the very good taste that I have? But in a broadcast environment, a TV show would just come and go. Yeah. So there was no way to really sort of respond to what was on the list. Yes. Like, you couldn't go and track down those episodes because you um, just have to be waiting until it gets repeated again at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 2000s hit when suddenly DVD becomes a thing. Yeah. And so there was actually, like, an action you could take and becomes, like, a record review then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And so, you know, you hear about, oh, there's this great show called The Wire. I'm going to go and check out the show called The Wire. And then you watch that and go, you know what? That was pretty good. And it was pretty good. Yeah. And so the person who wrote the list can, like, you know, scratch that chin a bit, but there's actually value for the reader. Yes, absolutely. I know exactly what you're saying. But yeah, now in streaming, where there's just so many options, and because there's so many streaming options, it's just elevated the bar for, like, the number of good shows being created. 
I think uh, something similar that has happened with music is that, um, and I've also noticed this, like just to get a reminder of some of the stuff, because I've got a terrible memory um, mm. due to years of... Um, of enjoying music. Of enjoying music. Uh, um, why are you always trying to cl- clean it up, Dan? Um, <laughs> the, uh, even, but no, even with music, it's incredibly fractured. Like you used to see the same, the, you know, the hundred top albums of the year or whatever would be pretty much the same across various magazines and um, even websites at the beginning of all that stuff. But it's rare to find ones that have uh, very much crossover now, even in really similar uh, even in even in blogs and stuff with a really similar audience, there's just so much stuff that it really gets taken out there. And I found that with the TV shows, like every list I read had very wildly different stuff on it, and um, even stuff with like you know there was a, there's always a few things that people always felt obligated to make sure that flea bags on there. Yeah, like, like there's know. always things that people want to make sure that they don't, they they're seen as supporting or that the, you know that they're uh, showing what great taste they have by agreeing with somebody else who's got great taste yeah. by talking about this thing. But the, once you kind of get past those top through few, it was very very fractured. Well, the other problem with the this isn't necessarily that people feel that they want to be seen as having good taste, but in an online environment, you get people responding back to your like, <laughs> yes, list. telling you you've got like, terrible How taste. How dare you include that show in there? And it's like, well, you know, maybe I like that show. I just didn't think it was as good as these other shows. Yeah, that's right. And that's partly why I didn't want to do best of lists because, you know, there's just so many good shows that you're inevitably going to leave off people's favorite shows and shows they perceive to be the best show. But, like, you know, there's just such, like, subtle nuances in what we enjoy from shows that if you've got all these great shows around, people are just connecting into the different great shows that are into. There's obviously, and there's always just an element of it that's just personal, like, and you can't explain why you like something sometimes over something else. Like, it could be crafted really brilliantly or it could be delivered, executed really well, but you just don't like it. And there's, you know, there's ways that we respond as human beings to all kinds of art that are unexplainable. Look, Absolutely. So if I was to pick a show that, to me, was probably the best show of 2019... I wonder if I'm going to agree with you. Well, I mean, you might. So I think Watchmen. Yeah, look, I haven't got to the end of Watchmen yet. I may have by the time this is airing, but I'm still a few episodes behind, just trying to catch up on everything else and trying to come up with some new things to watch to talk about on here. So I'm not just watching the same thing every week, but uh, I think I'm like seven episodes in. And I mean, I would be I would be hard-pressed to argue um, with that, to be honest. It is just such an incredible achievement, such a... Uh, different show than everyone than, than than certainly I was expecting. Such a great use of the source material in a way that the author would have hated. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. What it's, it strikes me that the show is really sort of bold and audacious, both in terms of every episode was something that you've never really seen on TV before. It reminded me in a lot of respects of the Twin Peaks uh, Return series. Yes. Okay. Which uh, would probably. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, comparable. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you never quite knew exactly where you're going to get there. But, like, here, not only is there, like, a strong sort of visual um, sense of storytelling here, like, not only is there just a thematically rich idea that they're playing around with, which the core conceit of it is playing around the intergener- intergenerational racism and the effects of that, the trauma that exists yeah, through yes. these various generations. Uh, but then also it's playing around with the idea of superheroes, which is a very topical idea right now because there's so much superhero content around. And it's all about the idea of why does a person wear a mask, what people are permitted to be able to wear these masks and who can't. And if the wrong person puts on that mask, and by the wrong people we mean African-Americans, because yeah. traditionally superheroes haven't really been represented that heavily, uh, like how does that actually change the way that they engage with superheroics? And Watchmen is a very sort of down-to-earth, very sort of, um, you know... 
Um, it's rooted in reality. It's rooted in reality. Yeah. Okay. So just the idea of oh, like if this African American guy puts on the mask, like it's not like it's him heading off to fight like a god from another intergalactic sort of you know, entity or some sort of no. spirit creature. It's really just some other idiot who's also put on a mask. Yeah. 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 And so like you just got these two everyday people of whom are you know making these choices to wear masks. Like how are they suddenly weighted differently because one's just of a different skin color? It's kind of telling how we've had how many hours of Marvel films and yet we haven't even, you know, none of them have really started to ask, have, have tried to dig deep. And I know that's not what people want from those movies, but it's still telling that there's so much there that you can kind of explore and look into. We mm. also had that movie this year where, um, about the the bad Superman kid, which that kind of looked at that. I haven't seen Brightburn, but that kind of reminded me of the way that maybe the Marvel Universe is encouraging people to look at things a bit differently um, in those ideas, which is pretty cool. Well, I mean, and I think I even talked about this when Brightburn was on discussion on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, just the idea that often in comics you actually find that outside of, like, the big titles, you find a lot of writers who actually want to play around in the margins as to what a superhero yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you actually play around in the comic book universes, you will find these more interesting texts. But when you're playing around, like, the big characters from the big two comic book companies... Like, it's going to be a lot of the same sort of generic stuff. Yeah. Um, so, we're pretty much in agreement there, I, I guess, on... Uh, well, I'm not I'm not even going to say what what I think was the best show, because I just had too many yeah. as well. I oh, know that's it. Like, I, I called it the best show, but I'm not even sure I'm necessarily arguing that it is the best show. Yeah, you wouldn't, think... you wouldn't go to bat for it yeah. over something else that you really loved this year, because it was just so much. Yeah. Um, are we just going to... Can we just rattle off some stuff? Yeah, no, totally. Oh, well, of course, I just want to... You know, Mandalorian has been a big... Uh, that's That's been a, a popcorn TV experience for me. Mm. Like, I've just been enjoying that so much. It's been so fun. It's nothing too deep, but it's nothing fun TV. Nothing too deep. Exactly what I've wanted from television. Exactly what I wanted from Star Wars. Uh, it's been awesome. I'm going to go... Um, some of the things earlier in the year, because it's easy to forget stuff that hasn't been on in the last three months, because there has been so much. One thing that you put me onto that I uh, watched multiple times was the... Um, one of the many great animated shows that pops up this year was the Love, Death and Robots. Yeah. Did you think of that that one to chat about today? Yeah, yeah that's definitely on my... Yeah, uh, cool. Like things here. So I really like that because much like Watchmen, it's playing around with form and function quite a fair bit. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, obviously here it was definitely like it was different artists, different sort of creators coming through, creating different experiences with each animated short. But yeah, I just haven't seen anything like this on TV for a while. It was so fantastic. If you missed one thing this year, check that out, I reckon. Yeah. And it's not to everyone's taste. Like, there was definitely a lot of complaints that there was a lot of misogyny taking place in the animation and yeah. stuff. But I don't actually have a huge problem with... I, I think there's a big problem if all you're seeing on TV being represented in the medium is the male gaze. Yes. Okay, like, that's a huge problem. But if there's some things which are the male gaze, there's some things that are the female gaze, and like whatever genders you want to sort of put in there, like however that defines their various gazings. Yes. Like I think that's fine. I think that art should come from various perspectives, and sometimes it comes from a gross male place, sometimes it comes from a gross female place. Yeah. And the heaps of it was gross, but yeah. I, but you know, and I'm not endorsing any of the grossness, but just no. as an actual spectacle, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was incredible. And what's fun about animation is that because it is a very auto-driven medium, or at least it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you really are seeing sort of very sort of specific sort of beliefs and um, viewpoints being exhibited within these sort of short animated feature films. Totally. Short animated shorts. Like, it was kind of... I I didn't really have a problem with the fact there was a lot of male gaziness in there because that's just kind of the viewpoint that that artist was coming from. Yeah, and it's gross and you can... If it's gross and you don't want to uh, agree with the artist, that's totally fine. Yeah, and like, certainly call it out. Like, that's fine. But I'm just saying, I didn't really find the show itself was off-putting because it did have that perspective. There was so much to it. Like, there was uh, so many fun episodes that avoided that altogether anyway to uh, make it 
you know, for it to definitely get a, a big tick for me. And I've watched a bunch of them multiple. I watched a bunch of them multiple times. It was one of the few things that I sat down with people, you know, friends visiting or whatever. And I was like, "Have you? Have, you've got to sit down. Have, we've got 15 minutes. Let's sit down and watch this damn thing. It's an easy group watch because there's like a new thing every couple of minutes. Totally. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really, really fun. Um, a show I thought was really cool this year was this Australian series called Lambs of God. Oh, yes. I, which do I don't know if we discussed about, this on a podcast. I remember you talking about it with me. I don't know if we did on the podcast either. Yeah. But. Uh, so this is an Australian series. I want to say it was about four episodes. And it was just a show about these uh, three weirdo nuns who are living out in Tasmania. It's set in a modern-ish day. Uh, three modern-ish. Weir- modern-ish. Uh, three weirdo nuns. They're, like, completely reclusive. There's, like, no connectivity they have with mainstream civilization at all. But what happens when a priest comes knocking on the door, effectively, to say that they want to sell the land because they want to develop it? And so how do these nuns react to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, really just, like, fun, visually sort of bold and audacious um, show. Give it a look. I think it's it's surprising. If you hear, oh, Australian series, like, I think some people get a little bit sort of iffy. And then we start talking about the fact it's about a group of nuns. Like, we've all got memories of, like, you know... Um, <laughs> Uh, what's what's that show called? Um, sis- Sister Act? No, no, uh, Brides... Oh, the Brides of Christ? Was Brides that the Australian Christ. one? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, that's immediately what I thought Act. about. <laughs> Sister Act 2. Nuns on the Run is what I thought of. <laughs> Whether Robbie Coltrane and uh, Eric Idle, is yeah. that right? Is that correct? Yeah, one of the greats of cinema. <laughs> uh, that was really good. Uh, Australian stuff as well. Uh, the ABC is audaciously... Oh, it took a big gamble, I reckon, on The Heights, which was great. I watched quite a few episodes of The Heights. Didn't get th- yeah. right through it, but I think they just did a really... That show really, really uh, raised the bar on uh, sort of Australian... The soap, and also just like we're so starved for decent drama in this country at the moment, to see them kind of go out on a bit of a limb with some uh, actual uh, inner city sort of life was really, really cool instead of trying to, you know, set it in the obvious places of the bush or the sort of suburbs wherein we see everything else or the beach. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but it's been very much on my mind of something I need to go and watch. It was fantastic. Uh, some, You know, some of the people that were involved in it were sort of in my wider circle of, of people that I knew. So I saw a bit of a conversation about it happening and stuff, but I still didn't, uh, you know, I went into it not thinking that I would actually find that much to enjoy in it because I'm not really a fan of that sort of style of drama but yeah I, th- I thought it was absolutely fa- absolutely worth mentioning and a really fantastic uh, yeah I, I, you know I go at doing something very different on Australian TV so yeah something I thought was amazing this year was Years and Years oh yes which I still haven't saw but I read about that today again somebody yeah. was talking about that while I was looking at lists of stuff give it a look basically it's taking everybody's fears and concerns about modern day reality so oh, these God. are things like just the constant sort of threat of like nuclear armament we're talking about like the um, issue of immigration that's happening in you know countries right across the world in all sorts of um, forms where you know immigrants are having to leave countries because well people are leaving countries because you know it's just not sustainable to keep on living there <laughs> they're either war-torn or there's <laughs> yes. just some sort of other terrible thing that's happening and then the countries they're moving into like how do they really cope with that okay you suddenly got a big mass influx of people and there's like sort of cultural concerns and because countries have borders you know people get weirded out and stuff like you know you kind of understand the humanity behind it even though it's just tragic and hard to really watch at times yeah uh but you're seeing this in the uk and so this is really playing into like fears of mass uh, migration taking place uh there's concerns about technology there's concerns about financial systems breaking down all within this um six yeah i think it was six part tv series it's the most concerning TV show. I've been on the edge of my seat watching this episode. Just like my stomach just like churning at what's going on. I've never felt more like fear and just worry about like TV. It's amazing. Um, I'm going to keep jumping. Is this the right thing Yeah, to jump do? on, please. Uh, I absolutely loved uh, to... 
uh, Too Old to Die Young, um, yeah. which I just thought was a, 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 a another kind of television thing that I'd never seen before. The only thing I could even come close to comparing it to was the Twin Peaks um, return last year, even though it's obviously very, very different to that. But just trying, just the way it played with the form of the television episodes. So this is an Amazon series? This was an Amazon series that Amazon apparently had no idea what they were doing when they signed up. Is it Nicholas, or how, how do you say his name, Riffin? Yeah, Ruffin. Um, to, they sub- N- gave <laughs> Nicholas Winding Ruffin. Nicholas Winding Ruffin. They gave him a bunch of money and said, "Go make a TV show, do whatever you want." He came back with, and he kind of did that. <laughs> he came back with the most inexplicable collection of footage that could possibly ever be considered a television show because it's not narratively strong. It's it's um, is yes no the narrative is not is not strong and certainly not why you would watch it. Uh, I watched the whole episode uh, that was in another language without the subtitles. It just kind of <laughs> went with it because I was like, I'm sure I really don't need to know what they're actually saying in this episode. Episodes four and five of this series, if I remember my episode correctly, uh, they aired in Cannes as part of the film festival and the associated sort of yeah. screenings that happened around that. They aired there and. I heard a phrase, I heard, I think it may have been like Nicholas Reffin just saying, hey, look, it doesn't actually matter what order you watch these episodes in, <laughs> yeah, it still yeah. makes sense. And I thought, that's just weird. <laughs> but then I watched it and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see how that works. No- nothing else makes sense. Why not? So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you were at in, 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 all interested in, I mean, cinemat- the cinematically, it was just incredible. The photography was amazing. There's so much lovely neon and so many like lingering shots. You really get a chance to look at what's going on the screen when there's nothing happening but uh, a few people sitting around watching a football game for 13 minutes without any dialogue uh, couldn't have liked it more so yes that was one thing that I really found pushed the boundaries in a way that I really really liked and what's the show called again? Too Old to Die Young yep I've only watched the first one and it was it was something you, I, would you, do you think you'll go through the rest of it? Well, I don't think I will but I'd like to <laughs> maybe one day it's yep. got a really high rating on here actually as I look it's like 83% of people said they liked it which means of, 12, of a very people saw it. Yeah, of a very small pool, I would argue. Another Amazon show that I thought was really cool this year was a show called Undone. This is a short series of... Um, it's an animated series. Uh, rotoscoping is the technology yeah, used yeah. on this one. So they film the people and then they animate over the top of the live-action performances. I started Rosa Salazar. She's the actress of whom was in Alita Battle Angel, if people saw that underrated good action flick from the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a 28-year-old woman. She's living a bit of a dead-end life. Uh, she has a bit of a near-death ex- accident in her car and starts to re-examine her relationship with her dead father, and she starts confronting her own schizophrenia. Uh, the show's really funny, it's really moving, and like it's one of the most engaging things I've seen this year. What was kind of cool is, because it is mostly animated, I mean, it's animated-ish, essentially it's taking real-life performances, giving it animation, but the animation actually really heightens a lot of stuff that's happening within the show because you're able to see the character as her mind is shifting between realities. You sort of actually see that as a bit of a seamless experience. Mm. It doesn't feel as clunky as it would if it was a live action. Very cool. Yeah, but anyway, it's just like a visually powerful show. I don't think you've really seen TV like it before. I'm adding it to my list next to the things that uh, I haven't seen that you have recommended throughout the year. Definitely give that one a look. Like That is like the one that I wish more people would like made a chance to see. Um, what We Do in the Shadows saw a very rare TV uh, show being... I mean, TV f- coming out of a film where the TV show was arguably better than the film itself mm-hmm. uh, and also importing the British actors into the, the British comedians into the American shows, which has never really gone that well before. Done seamlessly, thanks to our good friend Matt Berry. Um, 
much better than the other Matt Berry show that was out this year, which I can't even remember the name of, the uh, British show, which yeah. was okay, but it just kind of paled in comparison to how good What We Do in the Shadows was. Yeah, I, I didn't really like that show. Vampire show, uh, three vampires moved to Staten Island to take over America sometime in the 1700s and just didn't really leave the house very much. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's a pretty good summary of that show, I think. It's a show we can relate to. Found it all a bit too tricky and decided to just stay home. Uh, yeah, what we do in the shadows, that was great. I don't know how you see that. Do you remember how, how that came out? Uh, that was on Foxtel in Australia and FX in the US. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there's a show that I love called The Good uh, the Good Fight. It's been yes. off in The Good Wife. I have to say, third season of the show wouldn't make my list as being one of the best series of the year because I think it was a little bit clunky this year. Oh. Okay, but there was one episode in it, which, Chris, if you're going to watch one episode, like, just give this one a look because it's All right, I'll write it down. What number? Uh, so it's episode five of season three. Okay. And the episode's called The One Where a Nazi Gets Punched. <laughs> now, the show is uh, known for taking a lot of very topical ideas and mixing it into the fantasy, um, you know, the drama of the TV show. Sure. Uh, this one played around the idea of should you punch a Nazi? And midway through the episode, a fight breaks out where some Nazis are involved and a character just stops and turns to the camera and starts giving a monologue about why he actually believes that you should go and punch Nazis. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, it's an amazing episode. It starts out as kind of just an average good fight episode, which is, you know, better than most Still shows, pretty good. But, yeah. Yeah. But then suddenly it just takes it to an entirely new level. It's incredible TV. Uh, I might watch that one. I've been just teasing you by not watching any of those shows that you've liked for so long, but maybe it's time to get over it. Um, here's a show that I discovered all on my own and was definitely not recommended to me by any of my close friends uh, <laughs> yeah. called The Righteous Gemstones, which was an amazing. I had no idea about this thing uh, existed. So just a brief, and just in case anybody yeah, else... I've not heard any of all, my friends talking about the show Nobody, at all. literally yeah. no one. Not a single one. Um, and yeah, this was... Chris, do you think he's listening? I hope so. <laughs> I just just to see that I can feel the anger. Um, uh, yeah, so the way that I was sh- sold on this show was Denny McBride is a uh, tele- televangelist who gets in trouble. Um, he's from a family of very famous televangelists. His dad is John Goodman. His brother is Adam Devine. Uh, from, from workaholics, which you know, if you're not sold there, you kind of never will be. Um, and the um, Edie Patterson is the other um, gemstone, uh, who's also very, very funny and was also in Vice Principals, starring Danny McBride as well. Um, obviously, a bit of a crony connection there. If that, if the cast doesn't sell it to you, I can't really, you know, I can't talk you into it. Yeah, this is the sort of show, if you like Vice Principals or what was the... Uh, King Eastbound Powers, and Down. Eastbound Down. If you like those shows, this is like right up your alley. Yeah, very, very funny stuff. Stupid as hell. Very good. Great to see John Goodman in a show that's not a bastardized version of a show he was uh, made famous for. Mm. And yeah, oh, it's it's a shame that none of our friends really recommended this no, at all no. to us. Yeah, try harder, friends. Yeah, big shout out to Dan Nanko. <laughs> Hey, uh, I was talking about The Good Fight a moment ago. Yes. The guys that created that show, Robin and Michelle King, they had this really interesting show called um, Evil, which I was really into. hasn't debuted here in Australia yet, so it's always hard recommending this one. Uh, basically, it's kind of like a quasi-X-Files sort of a thing with a group of, there's a priest, there's a psychiatrist, and there's a skeptic, and the three of them each week explore sort of religious adjacent phenomenon yeah uh it's always proves to be incredibly funny uh deeply involving it's it's a hard show to really talk about because it's so much of a tonal show yeah but if you can connect into the tone of it like it's just it's such engaging tv and 
it's hard to really talk up because each show doesn't really do anything particularly like that revolutionary. It feels like it's just run-of-the-mill good TV. Yeah. But when you're watching it, there's just a sensation I get while watching it where it just feels like it's sort of transcended. And like you were saying at the beginning of the show here, sometimes there's a show that just kind of speaks to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is definitely one of those shows. Like, yeah, I, well. I don't even know that I can recommend it to people. Yeah, right. I know I can recommend it to me. Yeah, yeah. And you you regularly do, do take your own advice, so that's good. Yeah. I mean, almost exclusively. <laughs> one show that was recommended to me a lot that took me a long, a long time to go around, come around to because it just did not sound like my cup of tea. But once I finally watched it, it was amazing. Very, very funny. It was Derry Girls on the uh, yeah. Netflix. Love Derry Girls. Loved it. Man, that show was unbelievably funny. Uh, haven't seen, uh, yeah, haven't seen anything that it made me laugh as quite as much as that maybe all year. The season finale is two seasons so far. And yeah. The second season was the one that debuted this year. Uh, the second season finale has this great... Uh, the entire episode is about the fact that Peace has finally come to Ireland because it's set in the mid-1990s. Peace has come to Ireland and you've got Bill Clinton, who's the president of the US at the time. He's giving a speech and he's decided he's going to come to Der- Derry of all places to give the speech. So you've got these teenagers of whom are kind of caught up in the enthusiasm of this small Irish town being taken over by the US president coming to town. Yeah. And like the episode's very funny. But there's this emotional core to it where the token boy in the group, his mother has decided to come back from the from London to claim him, so he'll yeah. have to go back. And he's, you know, he's besotted with his mother and agrees that he's going to leave with her. He leaves, and so they're all kind of heartbroken. This thing that they've all been looking forward to, which is the US president coming to town. Yeah. They're all just crestfallen and everything just kind of feels awful. And then you get like this moment where suddenly he appears again because he's decided that going with his mother is actually a terrible idea, which all the viewers knew it would be. Okay, suddenly he appears, and just the absolute joy and just heartwarming nature of just him appearing on screen. Like, I was a mess watching that. <laughs> it was really, it was, it was a really, really good show. Yeah, like, and I to be emotionally invested in that way with something that wasn't laughter so from Dairy Girls yeah. of all shows. Because it was pretty, I mean, it, despite dealing with this really, you know, heavy concept, it was a really lighthearted show. The heavy easy concept to watch. is that these girls are living in a war-torn area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's just like girls living their teenage lives around this. Yeah. Uh, your turn. Uh, yeah, uh, so I've talked about this on the pod, I'm sure, but for All Mankind... Yes. This is the Apple TV Plus show about the idea that... Uh, it's 1969, the entire world gathers around their TV sets to watch man land on the moon. You see, like, on these various lounge rooms, people are getting excited, and then suddenly there's a Russian flag put on the moon. And so from this sort of divergent point in history, you start to see the um, space race take on a different sense of importance in the world where it stops being just about the space race, which more or less came to an end when the US landed on the moon. Okay, here, because Russia's landed on the moon and beat, them, beat the US by a couple of weeks, suddenly the US have engaged like their sort of um, Cold War passions, and it's just kind of like reignited everything. So instead of the Cold War being something that's very much an Earth-based thing, it becomes focused very much on what's happening in space. Awesome. So they're really sort of picking up their game. And if you think about things like wars and space travel, there's a lot of money and investment and technology that happens there. And that technology flows backwards into the culture. And also along with that, when you've got uh, people really passionate about something happening in the world, that also flows back into the culture and shifts things around. So what we've seen over the course of one season of that show is a seven or eight year period in yeah, US right. life. And you're seeing the technology that they're using to travel into space has really gotten quite sophisticated in that time period. You're seeing that issues like gay marriage, for example, are becoming openly discussed now. 
And just the nature of what it means to live in the US during that time period is actually dramatically different mm. because of that one initial sort of thing of Russians beating them to the moon by just a couple of weeks. Very cool. And so we're watching this in the first season. I'm desperate to know what happens in like season three or four of this show because we're going to be in an entirely different like concept as to how the world's operating. Because the show uses these little ideas and just keeps on expanding upon them to present life in a really different way. Um, I'm going to bounce off another show that uh, I think had a very similar, which I've only just thought of, which I'd forgotten about. Such was the amount of shows. Uh, and you might actually cut me off here. Um, oh, no. I'm, 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 I just make it in. But uh, Counterpart, which um, finished in February 2019. So yeah. we did get a couple of episodes in there. Uh, I still haven't watched season two yet. Oh, haven't you? Oh, jeez. No. It was and it's shocking because season one is amazing. Yeah, season one's amazing. I mean, I don't know if season two is... Oh, no, there's heaps of great stuff that happens in season two. Um, the finale, uh, a, bit of a, sh- a bit of a shame because obviously it was cut short due to some kind of weird studio thing you were saying. Someone bought the sh- yeah, so show. I'm trying to remember something. exactly how it played out now. But. Something weird happened where... Uh, unfortunately had to wrap up much quicker than it would have. I think stars who were broadcasting it decided they wanted to move only to shows that they were producing in-house and not buying from third-party companies like Lionsgate. <laughs> yes, right. There you go. That's your vague memory of it. It's my vague memory. Very detailed. Uh, and so you'll find on February 16 in 2019, there was... No. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, and of course, that show was about a, um experiment in the uh, Cold War in Berlin that, related, that resulted in um, a second uh, dimension, a portal to a second version of our world being opened up and uh, people being able to pass between the two worlds and the espionage and spy and all the incredible... Uh, things that happened as a result of that. Um, starring, of course, the uh, Red Eminem. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. God, I love that guy. And uh, just a bunch of other very talented people. Fantastic show. C- criminally cut short before its time. Yeah, it's a shame J.K. Simmons has never done anything else <laughs> other than being the Red Eminem and now a counterpart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, a couple of season two shows that I just wanted to mm-hmm. talk about. Uh, Succession. It's yes. a show that's going from strength to strength. Have I, you watched it yet? No, it's the one. literally the next thing I'm going to watch. It's, it's completely new wheelhouse. Uh, Mindhunter as well came back for a second season this year. There was a arc that takes place through the second half of that season, which have you watched any of Mindhunter? No, no, no. Uh, you'd probably dig it, I think. But the second half of the season had like just one storyline they were carrying through. And while I think there was a bit of mixed success with that storyline, there's this one episode with the main character, Holden, running through the town carrying this cross that he's trying to put up in, like to help out like the African-American community of... I can't think of what town they were actually in. Uh, it's, it's somewhere. Predominantly sort of African-American uh, town, though. And he's offending all of the locals because they can see him carrying this cross around the place. So yep. While I think they knew he wasn't a threat, it was still just the optics of it. They were looking at him going, what are you doing, dude? And he's <laughs> running around town. He's just desperately trying to get this cross down to make a... No, he's trying to do something for them, but he was just doing everything wrong. Oh, and it's just the most phenomenal like five minutes of TV this yeah. year. So good. Uh, something else that came back good uh, for a third season was The Crown. Um, I think it's probably the strongest season of this year. Yawn. Stranger Things for a season three. Yawn. Uh, there's a couple of episodes of The Crown I want to point you to because I think I watched a few. Ep- I watched quite a bit of the first series, but I'm um, just the third season. I think stronger than what we've seen previously, mm. and that's mostly because they've reached the point now where they're bringing in like Prince Charles into it, and it's sort of shaking up the dynamic <laughs> a little bit more. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, anyway, the, the colourful character. Anyway, no, no, no. I'm, the, I'm, those were the returning shows I was into. Uh, I've got a couple of just like one and dones that I want to run through. But Chris, what do you got there? I was just going to say we had some big finales of some long-running shows. None more. Yep. None that I enjoyed more than the finale of Veep. Yeah. Uh, fantastically, ridiculously, ludicrously wrapped up in a way that made me laugh and uh, <laughs> shake my head in dismay <laughs> and rev- you know revel in the pathetic. Uh, the simplicity of this whole political structure that we that controls our lives, and how uh, ridiculously self interested people are, and it was just fantastic. I thought a lot of people didn't like. Well, I read a lot of criticism of the finale for Mike White, which was, was perfect. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was perfect too. Amazingly done. Yeah, uh, another perfect finale this year was Catastrophe. Yes, which finished out its third, se- fourth season, fourth season. Uh, were, were you a catastrophe? I didn't get right to the end of Catastrophe, but yeah, I watched, I watched a fair bit of it. Oh, dude, guess the end of Catastrophe. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, want to yeah. say what it was now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay. But yeah, it's the most perfect ending to a show I've seen in some time. Yeah, it was a very good show. Um, I also love the se- uh, series finale of Mr. Robot. Ah, uh, yes, which I haven't seen. Well, I actually haven't seen the final episode yet either because <laughs> we're recording this slightly ahead oh, of the right. end of the year. So it's okay. still to come, but you know you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Sorry, it was amazing. Uh, I think that's very good. Uh, one and Dunn's, go for it. Uh, one and Dunn's, I really like Russian Doll. Yeah, loved Russian Doll. Yeah, don't need to talk about that. I think everyone's across that So there's show. no second season of Russian Doll? Uh, there's a second season coming. Oh, okay. But, but, yeah. Yeah. but maybe it won't come. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I actually don't think it needed a second season. I don't but, think so either. But, you know, I, re- I really would have been happy with just that first one. I think it, uh, the ending wasn't amazing, but... But it was still pretty. It was great. The whole the, the way the whole season played out was so good. Yeah. About two weeks ago on this podcast, I talked about an HBO show called Mrs. Fletcher, which was about the uh, empty nester mum who develops an interest in lesbian pornography. And I was uh, disappointed that it wasn't a murder she wrote uh, reboot. Yeah, because despite Mrs. that, because the other Mrs. Fletcher, <laughs> she loves her lesbian pornography. Uh, there's a really good show from the US called Rami. Which is a show based on a what's well, you know it's a, a comedian named Rami. I should write some notes down. I should stop trying to do this off my head. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, anyway, Rami is just one of these sort of great uh, comedians. Got the chance to tell like personal sort of stories of his own life as a young Muslim comedian. Uh, he's kind of sl- he's slightly devout. He's definitely got some faith that he wants to play around with. So it's not like some shows where you might see someone who's like, oh, how do I deal with my traditional family while I'm trying to break free of them? But really, it's someone who's actually tied to some of that belief system and how that is a complicated series of thoughts and emotions he has trying to navigate his own day-to-day life. Anyway, just a really fascinating, funny, like great half-hour show that didn't get anywhere near as much attention as it should have. A show called The Act which was based on the true story of a woman who uh, kept her daughter incredibly sheltered, told her she had a whole bunch of diseases that she doesn't really have. Yikes. And then eventually the daughter gets old enough to realize that, wait a sec, I think my mum's been lying to me. I'm going to brutally murder her and run off with this guy I've met through the internet. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. And also there's this great Japanese show that I really fell for called My Husband Won't Fit. Yes, I remember you talking about that. That was yeah. very good. Uh, which is about exactly what you think it is. But it's very sweet and nice. We had a trifecta of uh, Wu-Tang television shows. Not really a trifecta, <laughs> but we had the amazing Wu Assassins, which isn't related to Wu-Tang at all other than the name the and the, other than the Wu part. Um, but I can guarantee you that all of the Wu-Tang clan would have been sitting there watching that show every week. It was absolutely fantastic. Just waiting to see when they turn up. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was so good. We also had the uh, Wu-Tang Saga, which was the... Uh, oh, I'm going to get him confused now, aren't I? Wu-Tang Saga was the... Uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga was the documentary series, wasn't it? 
Uh, hang on. I feel that one was the dramatic. No, no, that was the dramatic one, which was, I've watched the first couple of episodes. Very, really, really quite, a, like, really cool. I don't know how based in reality it was. Uh, there was a lot of Wu-Tang members trying to murder each other, which I think probably would have turned out a little bit, maybe the band would have turned out a little bit differently. Um, that was a hula show. And then there was the uh, Wu- the documentary series about Wu-Tang, which was a four-parter um, that was just also amazing. It was a big year for the Wu-Tang Clan on the television. Yeah. I thought of if, Mikes and Men was the documentary series. If I was going to do a Wu-Tang series, I'd call it Wu-Tang to Fail. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, except there's no failing with the Wu-Tang Clan, except for maybe all the albums after the first uh, two. Um, <laughs> That's obviously what I'd focus on. <laughs> and, uh, look, I've, I'm, I'm nearly done here. I know you've got a few more, but I just really wanted to say really quickly, uh, I loved uh, a couple of shows that were, you know, uh, praise for being very progressive and very woke and I, I like them for those reasons and for a lot of other reasons as well but Tuka and Birdie I thought was amazing criminal that it got cut, cut off after one season I would have really loved to see more of it especially uh, comparing it alongside Bojack which of course it has different creators and stuff but I just found it so much uh, really refreshing to watch I made it right through the end of Tuka and Birdie and I didn't get through the whole series of Bojack even though I will uh, it, I love the absurdism I love how it brought some stuff back to animation that has been missing I think as far as real uh, psychedelic kind of imagery and uh, some other cool stuff like that so yes absolutely loved that and I also loved Pose well at least half of it anyway I loved some of the cl- characters some of the performances I think it went a bit it got a bit soapy for my liking but some, the bits of it that were good were just so unbelievably good that it was uh, yeah incredible incredible program that was season two of that was on this year of course yeah uh, I've actually exhausted my list oh have you really oh, yeah I, I mean think... there, there was so much more TV that I watched and loved but I got through all mine on mine or two there was a, yeah. a couple of other things uh, it was a great year for television obviously great year for TV actually a really good year for movies as well like, yeah it's just... yeah you know, I, I kind of feel like I've been um, in the wilderness for the last couple of years because lots of things <laughs> were just kind of good, but nothing was like really exciting me in the way that I kind of want to be excited by a film and TV. But yeah. this year, like so many things hit for me. It was, it was great. Oh, big year. So are we going to come back and do this next year, Dan? Uh, yeah, I've got nothing else happening in my life. <laughs> you got life. anything planned? No, me neither. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty much my whole social life at the moment is hanging out with you uh, once a week in this little room. So We need I'm, some air conditioning. Yes, we do need a little bit more air conditioning. Okay, now for people who listen to this podcast, I just wanted to advise that uh, myself and Chris won't be back next week. Um, I'll probably be back. So the plan is to record one or two episodes of me gallivanting around with, you know, Brisbane cultural tastemakers. Excellent. Because uh, I'll be in Brisbane and that just makes it a bit more convenient <laughs> to record things there. Uh, so going to do that. And then myself and Chris will be back in studio to resume the show and be bigger and better in 2020. Can't wait. Yeah. Now, Chris... You like listening to podcasts and leaving reviews for podcasts, right? I always leave a review if I like the podcast. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, be like Chris. Leave a review if you like this podcast. Helps people find the show. Chris, you enjoy nothing more than signing up to online newsletters. I do indeed. My favorite is the Always Be Watching newsletter produced by you daily. How about people subscribe to that? You can find that at alwaysbewatching.com. I would highly recommend that. Hey, Chris, you enjoy following me on social media like Twitter and Facebook, right? Absolutely. You can find me at the Dan Barrett. I only follow one person, Dan. Yeah. And Facebook, there's a group there. There's a group there. I'd love it if people got on there and talked about some, especially after listening to this and told us some of the shows that we should have talked about that we didn't, some of the shows that you really enjoyed over the year. It would be fantastic to get a bit of a chat going on there. Also look forward to the very, uh, we got a decent thread about The Mandalorian going on there. I can't <laughs> wait for that to uh, to wrap up and um, 
hear everybody's thoughts on that of, of the whole thing. So please, yes, keep contributing to that. It's about the only thing that I pay attention to. Yeah. Now, of course, by the time this episode's published, people will have already seen that Mandalorian finale. Exactly. But, and yeah. I want to see what it'll be. It'll be written up there and stuff. It'll yeah, because you have not looked at the internet for the last four days now. Because I've been avoiding it because I'm on holiday. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, anyway, you know, looking forward to what anyone would like to say about this, uh, about what they've seen through the year, because that's a, a really big part of it as well. That's what we're trying to do is create a discourse about the things we've been watching that thread us all together. No, absolutely. I mean, TV's more fun if you can talk about it with your mates, and, you know, we're definitely trying to do that here with Always Be Watching. There's no wrong opinions. <laughs> I mean, there are. <laughs> Of course there are. Yeah. A lot of them. Don't look at me like that. Uh, sorry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll watch The Good Wife one day. Uh, and I'm sure I'll probably enjoy it and feel like a jerk. Um, what you, did you say all your Twitter things? Yeah, I did that. Uh, cool. Uh, we did a lot of other stuff. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying. I don't want to leave now. I'm just enjoying it. Look, I, I feel the same way. But also, <sighs> that air conditioner needs to come on. <laughs> so, Chris, yeah, it's been a pleasure for 2019. Absolutely, Dan. I'm looking for an air conditioning filled 2020. Absolutely, Dan. Yeah. And um, people listening, I hope you've got air conditioning. Happy New Year to the people, and yes, we will see you in 2020. 